Welcome to Still Becoming, a podcast about how it's never too late to become more free, more yourself, or try something new. I'm Monica DeCristina, a wife, mother, and practicing psychotherapist. Through my own journey, starting with my struggles with anxiety years ago, that led to my professional work as a therapist now, I am fascinated with the process of how we become who we are. We will hear from people telling their stories of becoming and overcoming, as well as from experts helping us learn about our own process in the world. We are not designed to stay the same. Our stories are still being written. We are all still becoming. In this episode, I'm interviewing therapist Burke Buster. Losing someone he loved to suicide changed the direction of Burke's life. Burke shares how a tragedy in his family led him to the work he does today, helping prevent and alleviate the suffering of others as a therapist. Burke describes how his own struggles with anxiety and depression, as well as the loss of his uncle, helped change the course of his life. He honors his uncle in his words and the work he's done over the years, and he explains how his anger at seeing so much suffering in his family through losing his uncle propelled him to enter a field where he could make a positive impact in the lives of others. This righteous anger created the momentum he needed to go back to school and to get a degree to help people. He shares how he was comforted in his faith with the idea that God is writing a bigger story. This transformation of tragedy into the work of helping others offers all of us so much hope. This is WABC. This is an Oldies 101. Call in for your favorite oldies. We're going to go with the four tops and then oh down to God. the temptations. Okay, we're gonna... <laughs> and I'll just go ahead and say that you are, you you have won the award as the funniest therapist. I know. Really? Wow. Yeah. God, yeah. what an award. <laughs> and so, um, but but that we still collaborate all the time on, on cases. And, yes. and what I love is being able to refer um, men to you, especially if... Um, Therapy is not always a comfortable thing for people, and right. you do have a gift of making people feel comfortable. Yeah. And so that's you know something that's really valuable, and um, I'm just excited that you're doing this. Well, thank thank you. you. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if you could just tell us, you know, a brief intro, kind of of yourself, of who you are, what you do. Right. Um, so I'm a 36 year old male, <laughs> uh, licensed professional counselor in the mm-hmm. state of Georgia. Grew up in Alabama, um, and then I was in sales, left it to go do therapy, married, um, have a son, 18-month-old son, and so yeah, work wh- in a group practice. Wh- how did you go from sales to a therapist, which is just, you know, it's not the average know. average path. Pretty common question. Uh, right. Though. I mean, I thought about doing ministry-related stuff for a long time, and... Um, did the sales route and it was um, I I think so it kind of plays into um, family yeah tell tell us so I can go all in that route let's do it yeah absolutely I would love to hear it Um, so I mean it I um, so I thought about doing ministry I did sales Mm -hmm. I moved to Nashville for 
um, a girl and a job. They both crashed and burned. Okay. You know, um, I was doing cold calling during that time. I took Strengths Finder, which you probably I've heard of it. Yeah. And uh, one of my strengths is harmony, and it says during that time I took it, and it said you want to uh, avoid jobs that in, involve cold calling. It'll just get you frustrated and upset. And I was like, <laughs> no shit, Strengths Finder. Thanks a lot. <laughs> Perfect. <Yeah. laughs> yeah, right. This would have been yeah. helpful years ago. Right. You know? Yeah. Uh, and so I. I, um, it kind of came out of the wave of, you know, I had been to therapy, you know, struggling on and off with anxiety, depression, mm -hmm. a mental illness history in my family, um, a desire ministry and just wanting to help people, mm -hmm. all that crash and burn. And, and it really, um, I felt a pull to go back to grad school. It wasn't necessarily like, all right, I'm going to be, um, a private practice, therapist right. in Atlanta, you mm -hmm. know, or like have this type of client mm -hmm. is more, um, I want to help folks mm -hmm. and it feels right to go in this direction, you know, and this, this yeah. makes more sense than anything in my life. So, yeah, uh, that was kind of the journey yeah. or the choice to do that. Yeah. What happened, um, in your family that, that fed into that journey? Mental health stuff. Yeah. So there was, um, both sides, mom and dad's side, have different struggles with uh, mental health issues, and one in particular. So my stuff, you know, that started more in college and off and on. Your own struggle with anxiety, yeah, depression, yeah. Uh -huh. yeah. Mm -hmm. And so in June first, two thousand seven, um, was I had an uncle who took his life, and it was my dad's only brother, mm. and. We hadn't lost a lot of family members. I mean, all of my grandparents were alive. Um, and he was a very gregarious guy. Um, um, he was a not what you think when you hear that term. Yeah. At least, you know, those final moments are is not the person, right, as you know. And um, so he, it was crazy that he, he struggled with, his in particular was, he didn't sleep. He couldn't sleep. He, I think he may have had dysthymia or some sort of level of depression. Dysthymia is just kind of low-grade mm -hmm. depression, as you know. And, and um, I don't really know the clinical diagnosis. I know he didn't. He had trouble sleeping for I, I want to say months, yeah. and he would sleep maybe two, three hours, you know, up until that point. So brain functioning really not himself, yeah, you know. Absolutely. And he had. Um, so it was crazy. He died on a Friday. And that week, he um, had read some verses, Romans 5, 3 through 5. And it, in those verses, it talks about hope, I mean, mm -hmm. it, um, how you produce hope and that kind of thing. And he found it encouraging. So he read it out loud to my aunt twice. And this was on a Tuesday. She, she emailed the verses to my grandmother mm -hmm. and said this, his name was Donnie. This encouraged Donnie. And... Um, wanted to pass along, you know, yeah. and they, they knew he was having a tough time. And so, uh, oddly enough, during that week, their pastor had been doing a sermon series on Sermon on the Mount. Mm -hmm. And that week he felt led to talk about like landmines that come out of your, yeah. out of nowhere in your life. Mm -hmm. And he wrote his sermon that Wednesday and my uncle died that Friday and he comes to the house and my grandmother shows him the verses. Mm -hmm. And he's like, holy crap. He's like, these are the same verses 
that are in my sermon or that my sermon's based on this coming Sunday. Wow. Which was crazy. Yeah. Um, on one hand, it's maddening. It's like, yeah, that, sure. Right? That's yeah. fair. Yeah, <laughs> it is maddening. And for me, at least for me, and I can't speak for the rest of the family, there's always been a little bit of element of comfort in the sense of like God is writing a big story. Yeah. You know? And, um, and surrendering to that big story and living with the hope of that. Yeah. And in the hope of that. And I think for me, especially when the sales job ended, Mm -hmm. um, there developed and there had been developing what I, I term like a righteous anger, like this really, Mm -hmm. um, frankly, just pissed off towards that level of suffering or that type of suffering, yeah. right? And yeah. seeing my family suffer that year um, was really hard. And mm-hmm. so, and there's something I knew within me that, like, I can go mm-hmm. do this. Like, I can, there's something within me that can maybe perhaps help people, or at least yeah. um, if I feel like that's true, I'm going to go try it or do it. Yeah. Know? And yeah. abandon whatever thought I had of what I'm doing right now or, yeah. or moving in that direction. So that suffering was compelling enough that, you know, you decided to change gears right? and, and see what you could do to help others not go through that kind of suffering. Sure. Yeah. And I always enjoyed, um, wading in the deep waters and conversation yeah. you know, being that kind of person, mm-hmm. um, and felt comfortable being in that place. Mm-hmm. And so, um, I don't know, for me, it was just like, I was really, and still am when I, when I reflect on it. I mean, that created yeah. a lot of movement for me. Okay. And so I think, um, you know, that's part of the ways that I'm, I try to play into that story. And I don't think it's in order to, um, I don't, to me, it feels healthy. I don't yeah. know how to describe it, but like, to, to integrate that story with your life and to yeah, I mean that cre- that righteous anger created movement f- for me to go mm-hmm. back to school to get a degree to help people. Yeah, you know? yeah. And one of the job, one of my first jobs, as you may or may not remember, um, was not only when I was building a private practice, I worked in a psych hospital, mm-hmm. and that work I did assessments when people would first come in, so it's fast paced and if. Um, it was a drug and alcohol, but also a psych facility, and they had inpatient and outpatient treatment. Mm-hmm. So it was acute care, mm-hmm. people that were suicidal or they were voluntarily or involuntarily admitted into a facility. And so I would see people in crisis situations back to back to back. I mean, you yeah. know, it's first come, yeah. first serve. People Absolutely. wait hours to get assessments. And um, my uncle, before he took his life, he went to a facility and he had a really bad experience, you know, which isn't unheard of, unfortunately. Sure. And you don't want to, you don't want a great experience, you know, you don't, uh, you know, you don't, it's not Disney world, right? which some people probably hate Disney world too, which is understandable. But, um, so yeah, you don't, it's not going to be amazing. Right. Um, I think his, he didn't want people to think he was crazy. Yeah. And so he didn't really talk about his pain or struggles. He didn't want people to assume like he was, um, loony or whatever, you know, and, and those aren't layman's terms. Yeah. Thank you. And so, um, 
so that was part of that was really redeeming work for me in the sense of like I was like you know I know I can't um, I can't be with these people their entire stay yeah but I can welcome them in yes and I can comfort them um, get them dignity in their hardest moment yeah Yeah. and I can treat them loving and fair and like there was moments where it's just like all right, like I'm this isn't me like this amount of love or care or patience like this is Mm. in some way supernatural like it was um, it was moving it was it was um, fun in a weird way yeah it was um, it was great work it was very redeeming work to be a part of people and try to at least uh, give them some comfort yeah at some point in their stay you mm-hmm. know and especially at the beginning mm-hmm. um, so no. anyway mm-hmm. okay knowing that Donnie didn't have that yeah yeah and I don't know his assessment but I yeah. know like his stay he yeah. when he left he was like I'll never go back there oh, you yeah, know and sure. so um, and I, you know I can't fault him yeah you know, for whatever right. reason I know it's hard um, mm-hmm. and you know the doctor that sent him like I'm what else do you do in that situation right like yeah. you um, when somebody needs that type of care in that moment you can't guarantee safety you have to do something so yeah yeah in the end it just it sucks you know yeah. and I don't think that's the reason right but I think um, I hate that he had that experience and yeah maybe I don't know it may be an influence to some degree you know yeah. I have no idea yeah so yeah wow it is um, a really moving story how the suffering that came into your family yeah. you know influenced you to help alleviate that for other people hmm. that's really powerful yeah well thanks yeah. well so um, I know that one of the things that you focus on is helping men to feel right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. no no jokes yet <laughs> <laughs> but but that you know as a therapist myself that I know that um, we really do men and and boys really a disservice right. um, I, I don't know about every culture but I know the cultures that I've been a part of mm-hmm. it's it's not something that we typically have um, opened up those doors well for men and boys to be equipped or to even to know how to name their feelings. Sure. Um, so tell us a little bit about, you know, your focus on that and, and why that's important to you. Yeah. Um, it's, it's fun. Like it's, it's different. And I think, um, sometimes suffering produces that, you know, like, um, if there's any gift, it does allow a person to, to go there when they may have struggle mm-hmm. um, going there and they may um, be able to compartmentalize easier mm-hmm. or stay in logic more um, before they come into a season of suffering sure yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I mean that's yeah. um, I definitely see that with mm-hmm. some men is like wow like I, the dam's broken and yeah. I can't there's no going back wow. and what do I do with this stuff mm-hmm. within me you mm-hmm. know, and what is going on kind mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. um and then some is you know um sometimes i find myself using logic to try to help validate um emotions and how they play in their life and the value that they hold mm-hmm. and as they go out and they venture into that they see start to experience and see the value if that makes sense 
how has working with men in this way affected your own life? You know, with um, your own feelings and connecting to them. How has working with men to kind of focus on that shaped your own development? Mm. Male therapists. They are hard to find. It's not the most popular thing. When you go to grad school, it's like 20% male, maybe. That's fair. You know? Yeah. And uh, so... Why do you think that is? Me suffering the ways I have or mm-hmm. um, has kind of opened up mm-hmm. maybe more what our society sees as feminine traits or emotions, emotional health, and that yeah. kind of thing. And, like, that's propelled me into that. Right. Does that make sense? So it's like but, I don't know if I would have chosen it yeah. given without yeah. my own journey. Wow. You know? And and for the record, I don't think they're feminine traits. Right. I think they're whole person traits. That's fair, yeah. You know, but yeah. it sounds like your own, just like you said with some of your clients, that you, you lose the pretense or sort of the privilege mm-hmm. to pretend like you don't have feelings or yeah. um, to stay in that lane once you have encountered a certain amount of suffering. Sure, yeah. Okay. Yeah, no, and, that, and that's a great point. Well, I want to hear about one of the ways that you focus on working with people is focusing more on the person rather than the issue. And, mm-hmm. and, and I would say that that's, that's definitely my experience of you as a therapist and having collaborated with you is that you're, um, you're definitely a relationally focused therapist, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, research tells us is the you know, greatest indication of a good outcome. Yeah. yeah. So you're in doing the good, hey, good, 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 <laughs> hey, good job. <laughs> <laughs> but, but why is that important that, you know, to focus more on the person rather than the issue, right? That's, that's a hard balance, right? Like, Absolutely. Because you want a framework. Yeah. And when you get out of school, you're thinking in framework. I just, I think for me, what's been most helpful in realizing, even in the last years that therapist has been, um, the greatest value that I add to a person sitting across from me is me. Yeah. And um, whatever package God's put me in, or, mm-hmm. and, uh, and um, granting that to that other person. And that sounds really like abstract, and um, but it's. I think I, as a therapist, you can get so wrapped up in like, okay, I got a, this method, this method, this method, which isn't bad or wrong. Mm-hmm. I just, for me, it, um, and like, am I posturing? Am I, do I look like this kind of therapist or the ones that you sure. learn under sure, in their material? You're like, okay, I need to look or be that way. Mm-hmm. And it's like, man, at the end of the day, I got to figure out how I am yeah. you know, and like, how I can bring that into the room mm-hmm. uh, that can be generalized for all of us in whatever work we do yeah. to, to be ourselves in that work. Right. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. I mean, cause you, it's unique. I mean, one being a male and then mm-hmm. also like, um, uh, I don't know the, the ways that I am, I guess. In mm-hmm. a sense. Like, so it's, how do I utilize that and yeah. take that and bring that into Use all your jokes. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, I wish I could say it was all yeah. a laugh. In front I know, of games, it's but, not. You know, it's not, not always no. the case. But you, you find ways to use it. Yeah, and, absolutely. And for me to be able to do this work and to last, it's important for me to be able to yeah. uh, bring that in. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, what is one person or event that helped you become who you are today? There's so many men, I, I think, that God's put in my life over the course of my life that have left an influence on me. I was even thinking about that this morning of 
Francis Crusade director at Auburn who's still there, Bill Bolt, like, um, he showed me that, um, he, he kind of lived, lived it out, like, almost the story of becoming fishers of men, like, he, he, um, God didn't totally reframe, you didn't have to totally reframe who you are to be a believer, I guess, is mm. what I saw, mm-hmm. you know, I could be a fisherman, Yeah. and my focus just changes. Yeah. Yeah. And so, like, that that influenced me. A good friend of mine's dad, Paul Bargainer, um, when I moved to Birmingham, you know, he, um, the way he lived his life, uh, intentionality, and, or lives his life. I mean, there's so many men, I guess, that God's yeah. put in my path. Yeah. just pick one. Mm-hmm. It's difficult. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. So. But so many men that have, you've and admired their intentionality and even this this you know leader at Auburn um just how he um encouraged you or did or himself did totally. to, to be yourself in what you do which reminds me kind of of what you do as a therapist a great full point. circle I mean yeah. that's sort of your stance in the room yeah which really gives other people permission to do the same thing hmm. I mean that's <laughs> Wow, you just tied a little bow on it, Monica. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> you just wrapped that yeah. up. Into, I mean, I didn't even put that together. Yeah. Wow, yeah. I'll be thinking about that the rest of the day. You know? <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> oh, that's great. Well, yeah. thank you so much. Yeah. Really, wow. I appreciate yeah. it. Thanks for letting me come in. Yeah. For more information on this interview, including a transcript, please go to stillbecoming.net. Please subscribe to and review Still Becoming wherever you listen to podcasts if you like what you heard here today. Thank you for listening.